0: Welcome to CritterCast, episode 58. I'm your co-host, Karina.
1: I'm your co-host, Cassie.
0: And this is CritterCast, a wild, wacky, wonderful show all about animals and and all of that business. Here at CritterCast, we are not animal experts, but sometimes we talk to specific animal experts, uh, which leads us so well into today's guest. Today, we have a guest who's going to be telling us all about senior dogs and the world of caring for and rescuing and providing for senior dogs. Bunny, would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Sure. Uh, My name is Bunny Rosenberg, and I will happily say that I think I'm an expert now on senior dogs. I didn't not a career path I ever thought I'd go on, but Here I am, six and a half years later. um, I'm currently the director of community engagement at a senior dog rescue in San Francisco called Muttville.
0: Excellent. I, I applaud your bravery. I always feel like I am not allowed to be an expert in anything, no matter how much I feel I know about it like when we've when we've brought that up before Cassie's always like well I'm an expert in you know exactly what you do in your job like you're an expert in right. writing and teaching writing which power to you and then anytime it comes up to me I'm like I mean I don't know I work at an animal shelter <laughs> am I an expert in it yes oh my goodness <laughs> yes
2: you are Absolutely. yes you are <laughs>
0: so there you go well I appreciate your guys's love and support today we're, we're so excited we're breaking a little bit from the mold instead of talking about one specific species of animal we're going to talk and and even more specifically again, about cool senior dogs and friends. the need for and, and the world and we laugh a lot but we also like to learn so a shot, we'll talk about snails and their tweezers teeth, or gush about our love of manatees, we'll tell you why owls are so scary to us, and there's tons more critters that we'll discuss, we promise to make sure you'll have a blast, because you're listening to Critter Cat!
1: This is something we are so, so excited to talk about. Y'all know that we love our rescue animals and you know that we love rescues that are doing great work and Muttville brings together both of those things. We have both been fans of Muttville for a long time, Karina for a very long time.
0: (laughs) I'm a fangirl, I'm not even going (laughs) to
1: lie. Muttville does amazing work and just at the shelters and with the rescues that I've worked with, I've been able to see how many animals Muttville can help. And these are the animals who... A lot of the traditional paths for adoption or for um, for going out to a rescue to be able to get any medical treatment they might need before they find a home, these paths are not as open to the dogs that go to Muttville. And so Muttville is yeah. serving such a special community need. So thank you so much for being with us today. <laughs> Yay,
2: of we course. Well, it's definitely attributed to our founder, Sherry Franklin, who... Um, she's a hairstylist. She still actually does hair, uh, although Love in it. the current crisis, has kind of been on pause. Sure. But she, so she always had her own schedule and can really do what she wanted. And one of her big passions, she didn't have dogs, but she volunteered at the local animal shelters and noticed exactly what you were mentioning, which is these senior dogs just didn't have any options. Right. And she would, you know, go every week and sadly from week to week, often those seniors weren't there anymore because they couldn't get out and they were euthanized and mm-hmm. it just broke her heart. Cause she saw that these dogs had so much life left to give. And I think she complained enough to her friends and family that her friends and family were like, all right, do something about it or stop complaining. <laughs> And so she was like, oh, you're right. I can do something about it. Mm-hmm. So in 2007, she actually started, she started Muttville, So she like registered the name and got a brand and had some friends join a board, but it was all, um, she didn't really know where it was going to go, but wow. she started this nonprofit and then started bringing dogs into her home one by one. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's how, animal I mean, care control. How you start, actually. right?
0: Yeah. Yep. yep.
2: And that first year in 2007, she rescued 27 dogs
1: in that whole
2: year and coming into, you know, the COVID crisis, our average, we've been averaging the last few years, a thousand dogs. <gasps> That's so. just
0: insane.
1: That's amazing.
0: And yeah. I have to say, like, when I, when I first heard about Muttville, it was when I was working at a different local shelter here. Um, and, and. I, for some reason in my head, just kind of assumed, like, it's so beloved by the community and so um, well-known throughout at least our local animal rescue community in California that I just kind of assumed that they were, like, an institution that had been around forever. Even though I knew that Sherry was their founder and still very much active, I, I guess I should have put that, like, two and two together that it couldn't be that old of a, like, of an organization, but... Um, but that's, yeah, like, think, 2007 is not that long ago. No.
2: Yeah, I think the momentum just really built, you know? And I think, I think the fact that we started in our house is really special because it always maintained this, like, family orientation. Like, the vol- her volunteers and the first staff members were, like, really close friends and some of them family. And that, that is something that has been really important to us to mm-hmm. maintain, Um, even as after we got a building um, which it was a while like we didn't move in we currently have a space that we rent from San Francisco SPCA and we didn't move in there until 2012 so it was all out of Sherry's house for the first five years
1: right Um, wow that's we've seen firsthand from our work with shelters and rescues up here, how, how much of an impact one person can have, but also like how incredibly difficult it is to, um, to be able to wrangle all the resources and get all of your, your ducks lined up so that you can move out of that, that setup of Everybody is focused around one person's home and working at. <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> and that's
1: just like logistically so exhausting. So it's amazing yeah. what y'all have been able to accomplish
0: crowd. It's awesome. It's and so cool. Also just a very cool place to visit. And I wish I lived closer.
2: <laughs> there?
0: I have, I have been there a couple of times when I've dropped off dogs. Um, because anytime anyone's like this zone, this one's going to muttville. I'm like me, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I adore it. It's exactly what you're talking about. Like, even though this is a, a facility, you know, in a space in the middle of downtown San Francisco, you walk in and you just feel like it's just someone's home and there's just all these dogs hanging out and, and having a nice time and everyone's super friendly. And I think that probably makes a big impact for attracting and not only first time adopters who might've originally been hesitant to bring home a senior dog, but repeat adopters over and over totally. again, yeah. which is awesome.
2: And it's it's interesting because I think the focus on senior dogs definitely was innovative at the time. And I think it still is not a very usual thing for organizations to focus on. Right. But the we're also cage-free. And I think that uh-huh. kind of, it's super innovative, but it just kind of happened by accident mm-hmm. because, because we were in Sherry's home. And so when right, we finally right. got this building... Like, it wasn't like, how do we, and it was a building that was not a rescue facility. It was actually old administrative offices for the SPCA. So it was like the president's office. There was no cages. And, And I'm curious, I wonder like what would have happened if there had been cages? I imagine we would have just torn them down. Because it it just wasn't even a question. I was like, all right, so now we got to get a bunch of futons. We got to make this feel like a living room. And that's what we did. Um, So we really, that aspect of it, I think also is really special, not only for the humans that are coming in, right? And seeing that rescue doesn't have to be sad. It can be happy. Yes. And also the senior dogs who often so many of them come to us because their guardians pass away and they've lived their entire lives in a home. And then all of a sudden they're in a cage and that's terrifying. Mm -hmm. So for them to have this soft place to land, um, literally and figuratively is so great. And they immediately start to blossom and feel comfortable.
0: Yeah. It's, I think it's such a great, it's such a great middle ground because I mean, that's the reason that so many of these seniors aside from medical, like a big reason that in my experience, seniors can't be helped by the shelters that they originally end up at. Of course, there's medical expenses that not all shelters can take on or just do. But aside from that, seniors don't do well in shelter Mm -hmm. environments, even at a nice pretty shelter. You know, these are dogs that are used to just hanging out and just like they've reached a point in their life where they're chilled to just just hang out and be content and mm-hmm. being in a shelter is like the most stressful an animal can ever be. Um, and I mean, that's why I have the two of them at home with me. Cause I'm like, Hey, I can't have them at home with me all the time, but at least overnight they can get a break from the shelter and just, and chill and, and have a break. And that's so important that they're not being rescued from a shelter environment just to go into, you know, another stressful, chaotic environment. I feel like going into a place where there's just a very calm and relaxed vibe for them is really important.
2: Yeah. How jealous are all your friends though, that when you bring work home, it's actually a chihuahua. Very (laughs) jealous.
0: (laughs) Right. I'm like, "Mm, and not a pile of papers to grade. (laughs) (laughs) I know I actually have, I actually, these two and I have a foster cat right now too. And so I'm just like, My house is. I'm having a great time here. What you guys is talking about? Um. So, Bunny, how long have you been with Muttville?
2: So it's about six and a half years. And like Cassie, actually, I never envisioned myself going into animal rescue at all. Or Uh any. I mean, I we always had a ton of pets growing up. Um, but we actually never adopted. We always. I'm from Modesto, California. We bought from the newspaper. I'm um, not any big breeders or anything, but definitely backyard breeders. Mm-hmm. Um, and I moved to San Francisco after I graduated grad school and I met my now husband and he had never had any pets and he knew that he wanted a dog after we got married. So we got married, went on our honeymoon and immediately the minute the plane landed, I was like, all right, so we got to get this dog now. Um, <laughs> and he really wants to rescue. And I honestly was the stereotypical person who's like, I, I don't want a rescue dog. Like, they have problems. And I had no idea. I mean, right. just, it was just me being right. um, uninformed. Sure. I think that's right. how a lot of people so, feel. Right. So, but of course, you know, animal welfare is, is such a big part of San Francisco, named after St. Francis. So I was committed to making this happen, but there's so many rescues out there yeah. and it was really hard to figure out where do we adopt from? We knew we didn't want a young dog. We knew we wanted an adult because we didn't want to have to teach a dog how to be a dog. We wanted right. a dog that kind of knew how to be a dog. And honestly, the reason we ended up adopting from Muttville is because Sherry shop at the same Whole Foods as we did. And her <laughs> car was wrapped with the Muttville logo, which is just oh. adorable. It's like a dog walking into a sunset with a cane. Yes. And so cute. a little wagging tail. I was like, all right, that's the cutest logo I've ever seen. We need to adopt from Muttville. Yeah. So um, long story short, or long story not so long, we, Harry was still... Running everything out of her house at that point, they had just got the lease on the space at the SPCA, but they hadn't moved in. So we were interested in this dog, and she's like, "Come on over to my." It was at her house. <laughs> <It's> like, come <laughs> over to my house. It was a Friday night uh, before the holidays, and we came over to her house, and we fell in love with this little fat Chihuahua. And um, and then I wanted to start volunteering, and of course, most everything was still at our house. So I started volunteering at our house. And then once, once you get involved with animal rescue, it's so hard to not just want to get more involved. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you, you know, this, like, especially as a volunteer manager, I just started volunteering. I do one day a week and then it was twice a week and then it was three days a week. And then I was like, okay, if anything is ever available, (laughs) 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 like if you guys are ever hiring, I'm sure you're not, but I would love to work here. Um, And then about a year and a half later, we actually also didn't have a volunteer foster manager, really Sherry and two other people were, everything was like in their brains. So they realized that in order to really grow and make Muttville what it turned into today, we needed to have someone dedicated to really managing these relationships. So they asked, uh, so they sent out a newsletter to all their volunteers saying they were hiring. I was like, All right, uh, my perfect. So, uh, and that was six and a half years ago. And since then, so I was the volunteer and foster manager for, um, about four and a half years. And then for the last two years, I've been the director of community engagement, which is still really, really tied to the volunteer side of things. It's more focused, uh, also on outreach events. Right. And uh, t- putting on our annual fundraising gala, which is senior prom, which we host every year. I love that. this. Will be the first <laughs> year that we do it virtually, so it's <laughs> going to be interesting. Right, um, that's but awesome. yeah, that's kind of my background and how I got wrangled into it. I was an English and film studies major that was just passionate about writing. I was in marketing, and I just I never in my wildest dreams would have ever. Thought that I'd work at a, a dog rescue. Uh, yeah,
0: you just you just fall into it. And honestly, I've found that that people who come from a place of not really having an animal shelter background and then and then get spooked in somehow are often the best to have around because you really want people with innovative ideas. You don't want to just do the same thing we've always done. Uh, you really want people that are going to be like, hey, you know, from this other. Um, from this other walk of life, this totally unrelated field, this is something we do over there and how can it translate to help here? And it does absolutely help a lot.
1: And communication skills, man. knowing yeah. how to <laughs> Outreach with the public, how to, to promote animals for adoption, how to educate and do some awareness raising that those are incredible skills that's why yeah. theater
0: and film majors are the best people to have around I'm just like I'm not biased at all as a person with a theater degree <laughs> I'm not at all biased but really I mean it does give you it does give you a unique way of of just kind of jumping in and filling a gap like it was the same thing for me when I um, when I jumped into volunteer coordinating was just that you know working with volunteers and having volunteers in any shelter rescue no matter where you're based it's very important because you can't do it all with the money there's just not enough money to pay people but there's also so much more you know not everybody that comes wanting to help is able to commit to be a volunteer but there's so many other ways that you can engage the community and I think it's really awesome that you guys have gotten to a point where you can have somebody who's like, yeah, bring me all those little things that you don't think about um, and let me focus on on that realm of community yeah. engagement, which is awesome. Super I would awesome. assume
1: that's part of how Muttville has become so well-respected as really a pillar of the community.
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, Sherry is just one of those people you meet and she immediately, she has no guards at all. Like there's no guards for her to put down. She's just, she didn't know me at all. If you welcomed me into her home to volunteer on Sunday mornings, I just, I can't imagine being the type of person who'd be like, okay, stranger. Yep. Here's the code to my door. Right. Come on by at 8 a.m. Um, and she just, she lives and breathes Mudville and it uh. can't help but feel the passion that she feels and it just trickles down from her to everyone and she truly cares about not only her staff but the volunteers. I, I would say I would I could tell you real numbers if I sat and thought about it, but I think about 80% of our staff were volunteers before they became staff. So yeah. we yeah, mostly just promote from within um right. instead of bringing new people on, which is awesome because these are people that were dedicating their time Right. and and energy to the organization before there's even the promise of a paycheck. Right. And it's, and I think, too, something that I really appreciate about Sherry and our COO, Lori Routhier, and I'm not sure if it's a function. It's definitely a function of their personalities, but I am also wondering if it might be a function of just the fact that, you know, we're in the middle of this very tech-focused world. Um And maybe the fact that I was at a startup before this, but we're just really willing to try anything. Like I, no is a four letter word at Muttville. We (laughs) always try and get to yes and figure things out. And our response, even to this current COVID crisis, it wasn't like, oh, we can't do adoptions. It was, okay, we can't do adoptions in person. How do we do them virtually, and we just immediately made it work. So, and and I think just our, the mission that we're built on, this innovative mission of having a cage-free rescue that focuses on these unwanted dogs, that kind of reflects everything that we, how we approach any problem at the organization.
1: Yeah. That's awesome.
0: That's, yeah, it really is. I mean, I know that you guys, especially, you know, we can't really... Well we, well, we would love for this episode to remain timeless so that in three years, if somebody looks back and listens to episode 58 of CritterCast, it'll <laughs> still be relevant. You know, we can't really make a podcast episode during this time without addressing uh, COVID and, ev- and how that affects everything we do. Yeah. And I know you guys have kind of been, like you said, on the foreground, like when everybody else was panicking and closing their doors mm-hmm. and just saying like, what do we do in, in the immediate fills um, all out there being like I don't know we FaceTime people because th- that's technology that exists and there's no reason not to use it. Um, are, is, there, is there anything like what makes your virtual adoption process like how do you make those connections still?
2: Yeah well I mean there's definitely challenges and we're learning new things every day and of course the environment and the climate is changing week to week and so it's hard. The biggest the biggest thing is, first of all, there's been such a community response to wanting to adopt. Yes. If we were getting, at one point, we were getting, I think on our busiest day, I think we got like maybe 40 applications in one day. Wow. And for context for everyone, we've been... Going every year, we do a little bit more, a little bit more. But last year, I think we saved 1,100 dogs. So to get, you know, 40, 50 applications in a day is just insane. We So it's been hard to manage, to be able to figure out, okay, we have way more demand than we can possibly fulfill. And how do we make sure we're making the right matches and that people are actually committed to this for the long run? And how do we do this with less resources? Because typically we were doing adoptions in person at our adoption events, sure. which we'd have two staff leads and then dozens of volunteers. And now we were relying on fosters to do these FaceTime calls, but you still need staff involvement or at least trained involvement. It was just logistically very challenging and it continues to be something that we have to keep innovating and trying but I can tell you look I fostered a few dogs during this time and you know it's a it's difficult that people can't actually meet these dogs in person yeah but the positive is every single dog now compared to before you know there was like 30 percent, 30 to 40 percent of our population didn't ever go to foster they landed at muttville on a Tuesday or adoption of it Saturday. Right. And yeah. So maybe they just stayed until Saturday. So we didn't have the opportunity to learn how they were in a home. And now all of them are in home. So we know the things that people ask about, right? Yes. Like, is this dog, house, do they bark, this, right. that, and the other. So we know a little bit more about them, mm-hmm. which is, which is very nice.
0: Yeah. I will say it, I, during the time of, of not having as many animals in the shelter and being an employee at the shelter or, you know, at a facility, it was a little lonelier for us. That's for sure. (laughs) Like you miss all your cute little faces hanging around. But, um, but yeah, I think the, the, for animal sheltering and I, I think other, other fields really experienced this too but animal sheltering specifically you know we panic that when everything shuts down and people are losing their jobs that you're going to start seeing animals pile up in shelters and for some reason a lot of us really experienced the opposite where all of a sudden there was people banging down the door to foster and adopt and that's so great and we one of our challenges at the Elk Grove Animal Shelter was how do we say yes, yes, yes to as many people as possible, but responsibly? So like we don't, right. you know, we want, we want to give you exactly what you're asking for, but it gets it gets a lot, you know, when you open up and you've got fifty applicate forty, fifty applications and you have 10 dogs and and of those dogs, maybe you can match five of them with these 40 applicants. It it yeah. gets it's it's definitely a lot, but I commend you guys for just keeping at it because you know when you have all these people, you want you want to find as many dogs and and place them and take advantage of that and hope that in six months they don't all come back to you. <laughs> it's the the hope,
2: right? At least, yeah. And I one thing you know that we I think it's been maybe two or three weeks because we just had so many applications and. Also recognizing that if people are applying to Muttville, they're probably applying to other organizations as well. Right. So we paused our applications, I think two weeks ago, mm-hmm. told everyone that had applied, like, please confirm that you still want a dog. Um, and then we ha- put up a list, like a kind of a waiting list on our website. Like we have paused applications. We're going to unpause them soon. Put your name up and you can submit an application as soon as we take care of, the clients who have already applied because the fact of the mm-hmm. matter is too, um, especially during a crisis like this, we are hitting a lot of people who have never had pets before. Right. And these people may have been the type of people who would have gone to a breeder to buy a puppy. And we want them to have a really positive shelter rescue dog experience Absolutely. that makes them that helps them see like how wonderful that world is and keeps them coming back instead of, you know, going to their, to Craigslist to buy a puppy. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely.
0: Right. We already talked a little bit um, about, you know, why, why we at least think there is such a need for a focused senior dog rescue. Um, But in your experience, which dogs do you, do you feel like come to Muttville that really, really had no chance elsewhere?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, Prina, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about your little foster ethyl yes, and you do. kind of <laughs> went through a, a list of things that she has going on. She has mm-hmm. really bad teeth, so she'll probably have to have her teeth pulled. Mm-hmm. She needs to be stayed, but also has mammary masses, which I don't know if people know this, if they've heard this on your podcast before, but if, dogs, if female dogs aren't spayed, I think it's like 80% of them end up getting mammary masses. This doesn't always mean they're cancerous, but it's something that we have to remove. Right. Um, And then it's also possible that she might have something heart-wise going on, which means she would be a little more of a risk for anesthetization. So she might have to have a specialist do it. So that is probably the biggest, that list of things. (laughs) (laughs) We call that at Muttville, the Muttville Special. So when a dog comes (laughs) in and needs that, the Muttville Special. And it can be a really difficult thing for someone, even the most passionate, loving human that wants to give every dog a chance to go into a shelter and see adorable little Ethel and then also a bunch of dollar signs associated with, you know, just right off the bat. Mm -hmm. So I I think, you know, that's why dogs come to Muffville and that's why we fundraise like we do because right. we spend on average, on average. So some dogs come into us and we don't spend anything. Some dogs come into us and I have a little dog. Maybe he'll come in here later, but he, he's like Ethel's twin brother <laughs> and he has heart disease. I've had him for five years now, but oh. he has to have every single tooth removed. Okay. And because of his heart disease, he has to go to a, a dentist. He has a dentist and a cardiologist. And an acupuncturist, and <laughs> I don't even have a general physician. So <laughs> my dog is limited up. But they'll right? <laughs> spent, I think, five thousand dollars, and that's with a very generous wow. discount from our vet partners in right. the in the area. So to a normal consumer, that probably would have been more like seven thousand dollars. Yeah. Right. And that's just a crazy price tag to think about. Mm. So the fact that Muttville's here, we spend on average $1,600 per dog just to get them ready for adoption. Right. And that makes it possible for people, normal, right. loving people to give these dogs homes because they've had those surgeries. They've had those things. They, They, you know, we do a full blood panel on them and people are aware of the things that might be coming up so they can mm-hmm. make more of a... A conscious decision about right, what they're right. willing to to go in on and what they're not, and we haven't brought it up so far in this conversation. But we also have, which we've really developed and honed a lot more since I've been an employee, is our hospice program. So yes. when a dog comes into us, I think Ethel's way too healthy to be a part of the oh, hospice definitely. program. Yeah, <laughs> but if a dog comes into us, you know that that is still have quality of life, but has some kind of life threatening thing going on with them, then we judge, again, we don't have crystal balls, but this is our vet team looking at the dog and kind of making, you know, a very informed guess as to how long they might have. If we judge six months or less, then they become part of our hospice program. And we fundraise specifically for that program through private donations and also grants. And we cover the medical costs for those dogs. So for those types of dogs, we wouldn't do any type of elective surgeries because number one, you wouldn't take your 95 year old grandmother to, I don't know, (laughs) to get anything done, right? Um, It's all about pain management and just making sure that they're happy. Mm -hmm. So we provide any type of pain medications they might need. We can help with food if they need it. And it just gives these dogs who still have time left right. a chance to be in a home without the financial burden. So, right.
0: Which is such an awesome, such an awesome thing to have because that, in my experience, there's way more families and people out there that are willing to provide hospice or hospice care um, than you'd think, but it's it's a financial problem for right. most people is that you know they wouldn't mind having a dog around for six months to a year, but they really can't afford the thousands of dollars that it can be, even just for regular you know it, for maintaining quality of life, which just a quick note for CritterCast listeners, I think we've talked about this before because we talk a lot about keeping wild animals in captivity and um, and making sure that their five freedoms are met. But when we're talking about quality of life, Mm -hmm. we're just making sure that these are animals that are still eating on their own. They're still finding enjoyment in life. They're still playing and snuggling, and they're not in constant pain. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they have a medical condition that is going to significantly shorten their life, they don't know that. And they, you know, they're luckily not like people where they have to live with that knowledge for right. you know six months. And as long as they're not suffering, then um, you know having having that rescue support, um, it's just putting two and two together, right? Putting loving home with a rescue support and making sure that that animal can naturally live out as long as it possibly can.
1: And that might be for, for an animal that has lived on the streets or has been fending for itself. That might be the only time that that animal has been in a constant home with directed love and attention toward it for its whole lifetime. And it's, like, incredibly yeah. valuable that that's yeah. something that people, A, are willing to provide, and B, that we can find the the resources right. to offer, yeah like, Muttville to be able to allow those animals.
2: I think, and it's really, we just hosted, actually, our first ever hospice symposium for people in the veterinary field last year at Muttville, because... Again, this was a program that some organizations have, but we've really focused a lot on developing it, and it's just Mm -hmm. so new, and a lot of veterinarians don't know, and a big part of our program isn't actually paying bills. A big part of the program is just offering support to these people who haven't probably had to deal with this before, being able to say goodbye compassionately when it's time is a blessing and a curse because it's a blessing in that you don't have to this animal doesn't have to suffer right like unlike a grandparent or something that might be terminally ill and has no choice we're able to help these animals say goodbye um in a loving way but then the flip side is that you have to make that decision Mm so it is really hard and i've had to do this several times now with my own mutt dog and I always looking back I'm always like I waited too long but it, you're selfish you're like you don't want to say goodbye yeah, yeah. i comes down to so a big part of our program is just offering that support because it's also hard too. you know uh, as much as veterinarians Want animals to be happy if they're not experienced with senior dogs or hospice care, Mm -hmm. they are so focused on curing. Like, they're like, I want to cure this thing. Yes. And there comes a point where it doesn't, there's no cure. It's a dog who's 17 and like, yeah, maybe you could take this lump off of him, but why is it going to make them feel better or is that experience just going to be really scary and then also rack up a big bill for the doctor so it's and that's a big part of the program too and why we hosted that symposium which is to get more of a community awareness in the veterinary community about hospice but Mm -hmm. so many well-intentioned people in the medical field just don't have the experience with with seniors in hospice so it's great to, to be able to offer that advice and support
0: Yeah. How do you guys actually, uh, just a a curious question. How do you guys kind of, do you have like a set age limit that you guys define or do you kind of wait for shelters and partners to reach out to you asking for help with, with what they call senior dogs?
2: Yeah. So officially on our website, uh, we help dogs that are seven and older. And of course, these dogs are often coming in as strays. Like, there's no carbon dating of dogs, right, right? Right. So, we will occasionally get a dog that we say got in with a fake ID. But our <laughs> the the purpose for us is like we want to help those underdogs. We want to help the dogs that really don't have all their options. Right. So, if we ever get like a really useful dog, we have a great relationship with SPCA. We'll sometimes do swaps with them. Nice. Because the people that come to us, they want those senior dogs, Like they want an an oldie. And of course, like I have a range of, I have three multiple senior dogs and uh, the youngest is like seven. And he's, you know, has at least seven more years ahead of him. And then the oldest is like 17. Uh, so awesome. who knows? You're like,
0: is my seven-year-old um, even
2: really a senior? Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, you you two are nothing like each other. <laughs> but that for me, honestly, was, um, you kind of touched on this with a Great Dane comment. So mm-hmm. I think the biggest perception that I had before coming into animal rescue, especially an animal rescue, focused on seniors, was was that it was going to be like incredibly expensive to adopt a dog because they have a slew of problems. Mm-hmm. And it has been so eye-opening to me that, I mean, yes, we spend average of fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars $1,600 to get our dogs ready for adoption. But most of that is from dental. And that's yes, just because yes. the cost of removing teeth that have not ha- seen a dentist is very expensive mm-hmm. and people don't realize that just like us as humans need to go to a dentist to have our teeth cleaned right. that dogs also need to have their teeth cleaned we had a woman we primarily work with uh, municipal shelters to help mm-hmm. offload the burden that they might have by taking in senior dogs but we occasionally will take in dogs directly from the public um like through appointment right so it's right. been arranged and and we had a woman come, really, really cute uh, dachshund, who had the worst teeth. And when she dropped him off, she was like, "Oh, he just has the most terrible breath. I have no idea, like, why he has such terrible breath." Yeah. And I asked her if she'd ever taken him, you know, to a to the dentist if she'd ever had his teeth cleaned. She was like, "No, what are you talking about?" And I look at his teeth, yep. and they were just totally rotten. I'm like, "Well, his Ugh. teeth are rotten because you've never brushed them." And most dogs actually. They don't really like to have their teeth brushed, but right going no. No. <laughs> going and having their teeth cleaned regularly will save you so much later on. Um, right, but yeah, it's like I had just had this perception that it was going to be so expensive and and difficult, and they were going to have all these problems. But I I personally have not experienced that, and actually, no. my oldest Muttville senior dog. He's not on any medications. Nice. I've taken him I've had him for four years. I think he's gone to the vet three times for his like annual checkup, and he's just yeah seventeen years of Tracking five on. pounds of perfectness and <laughs> Perfect. I think that's something
1: that um that actually I would find really reassuring in adopting from a place that knew that they were getting animals that would have special needs medically um, or age-related special needs, is that for places that go through like a full panel of blood work and that do a full exam, you know exactly what you're getting into medically. Whereas if you go to a shelter and you adopt an adorable puppy, they are not going to have the resources to run full blood panels on every puppy or kid. if You buy a dog just because right. you, you're buying a right. dog
2: from a breeder, they're not gonna take this dog no. and have a blood panel on it. No.
1: Mm-mm. Mm-mm.
2: There's so no guarantee,
1: congenital, it could come down
2: with something exactly. You know,
1: there's no guarantee, absolutely, like you said. So, yeah. knowing that you're you're getting a dog that has had some life already lived, mm-hmm. and you know what that personality is gonna be like, and you know exactly what sort of things are going on with it. That I find that super reassuring.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You say as somebody that adopted a puppy.
1: <laughs> I say as someone who adopted a puppy and then talked her mom into adopting a senior cat.
0: That's true. That's true. You learned your lesson. <laughs> Listen,
1: I get it.
2: Puppies are super cute. I had puppies growing up. I love puppies. And puppies need to be adopted too. Totally. I I just know for me, and a lot of people... Um, will ask me, I'm like, isn't it tough, like, saying goodbye, when you have to say goodbye, and, of course, totally, but something that I actually love, I've loved the flexibility that senior dogs give me, I mean, when we first adopted, um, my husband was starting a startup, and we just didn't want to commit to 17 years of an animal, we were happy to commit to, like, three to five right. sure, sure. Or, like sign me right. up. So, and of course you know, when that three or five years is up, it's sad, but then I get to save another one and it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just so yeah. rewarding and it's, it's something that I was just, a, just such a happy surprise for me. I didn't expect <laughs> to feel this way. Um, and yeah. it's been wonderful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I have that thought all the time Uh, when when my you know I know that I don't know how don't ask me how I ended up with my last animal that I adopted was a kitten it was a whole (laughs) hot foster fail mess but but previous to that I really knew that I wanted to focus on um on adopting from that point out older animals as much as possible because you know my one of my girls here I adopted when she was two she's a great old lady personality so I've never even noticed and I'm happy to have her (laughs) along for the ride my other dog was about four when I adopted him. So I, I'm working my way up <laughs> older and older as you go, because I, and it sounds, I don't think everybody can understand, but I was like, yes, is it, is it sad to only have your animal for a few years when you could have a dog for 20 years? Sure. But on the other hand, then I can have so many more dogs without actually having, you know, five dogs at any totally. time. Like, yeah, and I can save so many more lives and. Um, and exactly.
2: I, it have I, such I, an impact.
0: Exactly. Like it's not just me being able to save them, but like every single animal you meet and every single pet you have changes you and touches you and, um, and being able to do that, especially with senior dogs. I mean, I think they, I don't, I don't know how much gratitude dogs feel. There's a lot of science around what they do <laughs> and don't feel, but it certainly feels like, senior dogs do feel a lot of gratitude when they, especially when they come from a shelter because Mm -hmm. they come from this like horror show that, you know, I, we pride ourselves on our shelter being clean and welcoming and, and fear-free as much as possible, but it's still a shelter at the end of the day, they're still in a kennel and that's not life for them. So being able to bring them home and just watch them sleep peacefully in a bed is like my favorite thing in the whole world. Cause you just know that like all that stress melts away and this is just like a content dog that's hanging out. Oh yeah.
2: And it's, and it's so wonderful to see, you know, like the seniors go into shelters for a lot of different reasons. And, and one of my dogs came in because his person had a heart attack and Aww. then went into a living facility and didn't have any family yep um then I also have another little guy whose family just surrendered him because he was too old so and so who knows right. which of those right. environments was actually a happier environment for the dog uh right. but then they're in the shelter and it's cold and scary because it's not a home that they're used to right and then you get a. I. that's why I love fostering that's why I was I love my job as a volunteer and foster manager because bringing these dogs home from that environment and some of them have, especially if they were found as strays, like they've been there for the entirety of the stray hold for that county. And so they are just terrified and scared. And then you can just, you can actually like physically see that tension, just like leave their bodies once they get up on your couch and they're like oh I'm safe here yep. okay. yeah okay right. and it's just so wonderful like I, it people I'll talk to people at cocktail parties about my job and they're like wow what an angel you're such an angel for doing what you do and and right. I'm like I feel incredibly <laughs> selfish because right? I get so much out of being able to help these animals and also help make connections with humans. It's just so beautiful. Especially right now. Like, as I mentioned, we've been getting so many people applying and that's because people are lonely. They want that comfort. And it's been so beautiful to be able to make people incredibly happy and provide them with companionship while they've been in quarantine. It's been really, really wonderful.
1: Well, it's yeah. such a perfect time too, because like you said, the people are home, they're lonely, but also they have time. If you're home yeah. you're working from home, you have less of a commute. You have more time to spend to get to know your new family member and to help them settle in and to bond. And that's just, Oh, it's a good time. I'm, yeah. I need to go adopt more animals right now.
0: Right. Give and me, I love, like, give me I that have... one, Karina. <laughs> You give can't her have her somebody me. else already is taking her. Trust me, I cried a little when they told me because I wanted her. It didn't seem like the responsible thing to do. No. Even though I wanted you to stay here forever because you're so stinking cute. My God.
1: So Even though cute. she bit you the first time you met her?
0: She didn't fully bite me. <laughs> and she was scared and we were in a kennel, okay? We were just talking yeah. about this.
1: Totally Life understandable. Is
0: she is, has never tried to bite me ever again. Because now she, I'm hope. You're gonna do good tomorrow, though, okay? Because when I when we were leaving work today, and of course everybody that sees her wants to touch her because she's right. tiny and adorable. Um, my my boss like got down and was like, "Come here, come her." and she wouldn't go anywhere near her. And she's like, <laughs> "No, I'm going to Karina's house. I know her. I like her." And I'm like, "You're gonna have to make new friends, ma'am." But I I feel you on the feeling selfish. You know, a lot of times uh when when people hear you work with animals on one like there's there's always that oh is what you do you know just snuggling with dogs all day and you're like no there's a lot of hard work that goes into it yes I do snuggle with dogs at every opportunity (laughs) um but then on the other hand people are always like oh it must be so hard and I could never do it I could never let them all go and I'm like honestly like I get to meet so many cool animals on the regular. I have all these fun dogs I get to play with all the time. And I don't have to take care of them at the end of the day. Like, it's great. Like (laughs) I can take care of them for a few weeks and then off they go. And I've gotten to meet hundreds of really cool dogs that I otherwise would never get to interact Mm -hmm. with. So I feel, I feel I was like, that's always one of my favorite parts of the job too, is just being like here, I'm, I'm here and I'm loving it. And I, get to come to work every day and do something that I'm passionate about and change lives. And yes, there's lots of sad days and sad moments too. I think, especially Mm -hmm. when you're working with animals on the older end of the spectrum, like there's just always going to be sad times. But I think my thing with anybody out there that's, that's like, well, you know, I would adopt a senior. If this conversation hasn't already convinced you, Just think about the fact that no matter what age of animal you adopt, you're never safe from unexpected medical concerns, you know, and with a senior dog, your chances are pretty good that they don't have anything congenital that got them early on in life. So that's kind of out the door already, (laughs) you know, as a kitten foster, that hits us hard a lot because you always end up with these babies that seem like they're fine and then they're not fine because they had something that they were born with. Um, so that's out of the woods. And if you adopt from a, you know, a senior focused rescue, if, if you're not close to Muttville, but you're close to another senior focused rescue, there's, there's a couple, they're popping up all over the place. Um, you get the backing of a health history and a health screening and, mm-hmm. and having more of a heads up than if you went and adopted or found on the street or went on to Craigslist and, and adopt, you know, I, I do love empowering community members to you know rehome animals and avoid the shelter altogether if you can if you have to rehome your animal. but if you're looking to adopt, just know that adopting from a rescue actually eliminates a lot of that uncertainty mm-hmm. that you're so worried about in taking an animal. Like you may not always know a hundred percent about that animal's personality or if they're fully house trained or if they bark, but those are all things that you can fix.
2: Um, yeah. And you know, and that you wouldn't know either way. Right. Right. I'm like people lie. Just <laughs>
0: Don't tell like <laughs> yep. you, I, it's fine. But I'm like here, I've got two little seniors, totally house trained. Didn't even take them any adjustment time. Like one night in my house and they, they knew the ropes mm-hmm. and they're quiet and they're sweet. And each of them, I'm mean, one, we guess is 13. One we guess is nine, like either way, these dogs have plenty of life left in them. And yep. You know, it's just I—I I don't see the reason not to.
1: Well, and Bunny, you mentioned earlier too that something that you find really valuable that you provide to to adopters is that support and that community. And totally, I—I I think that's so incredibly valuable. You know, when my when my mom got herself into the situation of adopting a fourteen-year-old-ish <laughs> cat with chronic kidney
0: disease, <laughs> when you pushed her into adopting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, look, we're not placing any blame anywhere <laughs> um but she she was able to work with a eleven right right in the mark um was able to work with her um her local shelter and the the vet and the adoption counselors there were all incredibly supportive so she was able
3: to you know call them if she noticed something funny going on and she said is this something I should be worried about and they like you said they were able to help her make the decision when his when his days were when there were less good days than than there were bad days and they were able to help her make the decision and she didn't have to be left on her own to just let him suffer and I think that was so valuable for her she said she'd do
0: it again yeah, I
2: yeah the thing know that, the that thing. I found again and again with people, first-time adopters to Mudville, I think some, some of them come into it, like, very focused on that dog. Like, they see that dog on the website. They're like, I need that dog. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, and it's hard to describe exactly. I experienced it there's just really something magical. And maybe Karina is a little bit that like the senior gratitude you were talking about, but there's just nothing like the love of a senior dog. There's just nothing like it. It's so different than any other kind of pet experience I've ever had. And it's addictive. And that's why we have people coming back again and again to adopt again and again and again, because, you know, for for as wonderful as I think Muttville as an organization is, like, and that we're doing good work, really, it's like, it's the dogs, like, like, we're just kind of there helping them do their thing, but these dogs are the ones that are, are the great thing, right, like,
0: they're working it,
2: we're just kind of letting them work it, (laughs) but,
0: Yeah. yeah, no, it's awesome, and I, and, what a great way to just like build and build a community too, because you know you'll have these people that continue to come back, but you'll also always have new people because that 's just how it goes you know fresh faces that come in, and then that 's why every year you guys can rescue a few more and a few more and a few more and and um, really help out more and more shelters, which is wonderful and excellent Fabulous. and i've been on i've been at multiple shelters that were on the receiving end, and I can say without a doubt that those were dogs that really If they had been adopted out, I'm lucky to have worked at shelters where it wouldn't have been a full death sentence for them not to be able to go somewhere. If they had been adopted out, they would have been adopted out without half the care that they really needed um, and probably to a home that maybe couldn't afford that care. And they would have ended up, you know, living in discomfort or pain for many years and potentially having an even shorter lifespan because they couldn't get access to, you know, just, the stuff that's, that's the regular Montville special for you guys can really be like <laughs> life or death for, for some people. Totally. Mm-hmm. it's, and it's, again, it's those teeth, man. Yeah. <laughs> and especially on, <laughs> on small dogs, because not only do you have the issue of so many dog owners really not understanding how important dental health is for dogs. And cat and owners then too. Cats too. And yes. then dogs not wanting their teeth to be brushed. Yes. <laughs> And then small dogs having teeth that are too big for their mouths and really are just like, no matter how good you are, not going to last all their life with yeah. all their teeth. Like
3: every chihuahua
0: ever. Like, I know yeah. I have one. It's the trifecta. Like, <laughs> don't touch my mouth, but also let me stick my stinky breath in your face. <laughs> it just is the is the life. And yeah. boy, is it is it fun. But that's so, so awesome.
3: So wait, I have a question for for both of you.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
3: I, I know a lot of people who listen to us are, we have a lot of college students. We have a lot of kids who listen to us who are interested in working with animals. So if you were talking to someone who was thinking about whether or not they should pursue a career in animal rescue and specifically working with senior dogs, what would, you, what would you tell them? What would you tell them to expect about that job and that life? And what would you, what would you warn them? But also, what would you promise them as the rewards of that work?
2: Well, I think the, one of the really unique things about wanting to pursue a career working with animals is the fact that you really have an opportunity to test that out through volunteering at a yes. shelter, like whether or not if you yeah. want to be a veterinarian, that's one thing. I, and I think some people come into like, I want to work with animals and they realize that there are hard things you might have to do with animals. Yep. And I can't think of other careers really that give you that opportunity to test run. That. Right? So I would mm-hmm. encourage anyone that thinks that they want to work with animals to volunteer at a local shelter or a private rescue and just try, try different things, try volunteering in different aspects. I would also say, you know, for me, I was at this crossroads in my life where I was not happy with my job. I had been working at a startup that was acquired by a bank and everything fun about the startup was suddenly Mm. very institutionalized and, something that like usually it's like oh you want to do that thing I do it right now it's like suddenly there's seven months lead time on any project Ugh. and it just became so frustrating for me and the thing that really brought me a lot of joy and happiness was working with the dogs at Mutville. so I was like I guess I have to go back to school now and become ah. like a, vet <laughs> tech or a veterinarian right and I felt and I felt like oh Well, I don't really want to do that, but I guess I have to. And for me, the lesson there that no one really told me at the time is there's so many many ways to work in a field that you want without (laughs) having to be a veterinarian. Yeah. Yeah. So the nonprofits have so many departments that need people that are problem solvers and are passionate about the mission. So really, truly, your background can be anything. Yeah. Um, and then just specifically with animals, I would, I don't know, I guess I would just encourage people to realize that there comes a time when you do have to say goodbye. That's probably, you know, the least fun part of my job, although, you know, the way that we say goodbye, I, I would love to to have a McDonald's cheeseburger and french fries yes. but as I'm going right. from this world and, yeah. and we try and do it as compassionately and,
1: and mm. pain-free
2: as possible but it yeah. is a part of the job and it's mm-hmm. something not everyone can handle and it's a reality mm-hmm. of, of working with animals of any kind especially seniors mm-hmm. but really any kind right. of animal you're going to have to make that decision mm-hmm. probably
3: less yeah. frequently
2: than with seniors but something to yeah. consider. But that's
3: Absolutely. that's so true though, that it's like if if you have that that knowledge that you're going to be able to be there and provide love and care for an animal as it's seen its way out of this life, that's it's hard, but it's such a blessing too.
2: That's right. Yeah, beautiful. yeah. I
0: try to remind myself that that as hard as it, as it is for us, it's not a hard process for them. Like yes. I think that's what can get you through those moments is that we know what's happening and and it's and it it's really. It is quite a burden, but if we do our job right, they don't know what's happening, mm-hmm. and then it's just over oh, yeah. for them.
2: They right? They don't right? know.
0: They have really yeah. no idea. And then
2: they're like, just so like, much better. the hamburger is awesome. Yeah.
0: Than right? them yep. wasting away on the street somewhere or in yep. a home with a family that was desperate for help but couldn't figure it out. And
2: absolutely, um, and yeah.
0: But exactly what Bonnie was talking about. Uh, my background is the same as so many people in this field, where. When I was little, I loved animals and I wanted to work with animals. And so I said, I want to be a vet because they just, I had no idea. Like right. nobody really was around to tell me that you don't need to be a veterinarian to work with animals. And you also really don't need like, oh my God, it's like an Ethel. I love it. You're so so cute. cute. Just like you, Ethel. so cute. Oh my god. Like, don't goodness. talk to me. I'm busy. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, and then I... And then I, I went, like, I started volunteering at a shelter when I was still in school and I loved that. Um, but I still was like, I want to work with animals. I'm going to go to school to be pre-vet and I'm going to do it. And then I got into school and among still volunteering at a shelter realized like, honestly, I, if, if I hadn't been so bad at chemistry, I don't think I would have (laughs) opened up and realized that I didn't have to be a vet. Um, It was, I was just so bad at chemistry, like so bad. There was no way I was going to get into vet school, just no way. It, it just wasn't <laughs> going to happen. Um, and and I fell into this world of, well, what other jobs are there for me? And and working at a shelter, making dirt, making nothing. I was like, oh, I don't know if I could make a full career out of this, God. but there are there are ways to do it, and there are other jobs even than just you know kennel work. Which no disrespect to people who stick in like the straight animal care for their whole career too, because that is a rough job in and of itself because boy, there is so much hard work for not as much reward as I would like <laughs> when you're just.
2: Yeah, you don't up. have to answer as many emails. That's accurate. You know, right? <laughs> you
0: and, and you don't have as many grumpy people with you all the time. Yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. And <laughs> you can uh,
3: always sneak extra cuddles with the dogs and cats.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I am jealous of them sometimes, but. Also, I I get to dip my toes in a lot of, in a lot of different pools at my shelter. So I'm in a pretty optimal position, (laughs) but, um, but I would say for anybody, exactly like the, when you are passionate about working with animals, the best thing you can do is volunteer and try out, and you can't jump straight Mm -hmm. to wanting to intern at a vet clinic. If you truly are interested in veterinary medicine and you can't jump straight to walking in and assuming to getting hired somewhere because, most animal shelters and animal rescues will hire from within because you've shown that dedication. You've had the practice, half their mm-hmm. training's done already. Mm-hmm. Um, and I yeah. know that, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to hate the job a week after you start it because you've already been kind of trying the job out. So volunteering, and there's so many shelters where you can volunteer across so many. I mean, it's right. the, the shelter that I started at back home, the Peninsula Humane Society, they were such a long, well-developed shelter that, you could volunteer with wildlife you could volunteer with neonatal kittens you could volunteer in their clinic like you do all kinds of crazy stuff and um and just do it which is awesome and they are happy to teach you and welcome you in i would say the promise of of working in any animal job is that you're going to get to see a lot of really happy endings um Whether it's animals getting reunited or people who have been on the hunt for the right animal for so long, really finally making that match. Or even just the person that like happily wanders in one day with no idea what they're looking for. And they leave with like your longest term animal that you've had (laughs) forever. Like there's so many really happy, really high, high moments. But then the flip side of that is that there are some really, really sad moments too, because Inherently, animals are unpredictable. You know, we can do everything we can to make them feel safe and really try to get to know them. But especially in animal sheltering, we're working so much with animals with just completely unknown histories. And your experience with an animal might be so different from somebody else's mm-hmm. experience with them. So that, I think that's where it's hardest for me, is not even with the seniors but with those animals that like everything seems fine to you and then it's suddenly not fine with somebody else. And Mm. uh, that's where it's hardest for me. I think you just have to be, when you walk into a career, and it's the same thing I tell my volunteers, I have a whole spiel about it at every orientation It's just that the compassion that you have for your animals needs to extend to everybody that you interact with and to yourself, because if you, if you go in and you give everything you have, we're gonna lose you and you're gonna walk away from it all, and we don't want that, so you have to save a little bit of it for yourself at the end yep. of the day. If that means that you sneak home the dog that somebody else already has an adoption claim on just to snuggle and kiss her for a night, that's what you do, Lucy. <laughs> 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 They're just like, I wasn't gonna pull the trigger that's to adopt a job it perk, myself, sure. <laughs> right? Yeah, you will get like you get unspoken, like, right to any animal that you meet. Basically, if at any point you're like, that's the one I want, everybody's just gonna be like, okay, like, and you can just take it. Like, it'd be great. If If I had said, this one I want, I'm keeping her, everybody would have been like, cool. But yeah, they would have. Yep. (laughs) They're they're horrible. (laughs) They would have encouraged
3: it. Something that um, it occurs to me is kind of um, like a, a quiet, behind-the-scenes positive of animal rescue work, too, and especially in the, the light of all of the discussions about equity and access and systematic inequality, um, the fact that when you're helping animals, you're helping people across every possible social mm. sphere yeah. in every type of position, and it's, it, you're doing social justice work. Yeah. Because you're helping people who love their animals to either be able to get new animals, to find homes for their animals if they aren't able to care for them. And that's that's being compassionate to people and com- communities who maybe regularly don't get as much compassion. <laughs> and that's just lovely. Yeah.
2: And I think that's such a huge, like, I mean, this is critter cast, so I know we don't yeah. talk about people a lot. But for Mudville, we're in the mission in San Francisco. Um, a big part of our organization's core values are helping seniors get senior dogs yes. and also helping them, you know, with the care for those animals. So we are all about the people. And that's it. I would say that too. Uh, this is something I think most people don't focus on. But if you're interested in a career with animals, also make sure that you are good with people. Because right,
0: Bing, bing. Uh, so you're at least willing to <laughs> pretend that you are because it's like yes we literally cannot you, help
2: the biggest yeah you yeah. have to deal with people and I think yeah. that is why I think that's what a huge part of Muttville's success is that we are founded by a hairdresser mm. what do hairdressers do like <laughs> they talk to people like right. they become your best right. friend that you see, you know, once every two months, and yet they know more details about your private life than anyone else. Shout out and to I my hairdresser if you're really... listening to this. Accurate. I <laughs> and I think that truly is, you know, kind of the secret yeah. sauce of how we are founded is people just feel comfortable and at home with us. And we've hired for that. And, and, a, and I think some people go into wanting to work with animals because they're like, oh, I'm tired of people. But you know what? It... The thing that brings me the most joy in in what we do is being able to find dogs like little Ethel over there or you know, this little guy who I adopted. But being able to connect them with humans that that need that love just as much as they do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Absolutely.
3: This is giving me shivers. I love it. I
0: love it. Well, it's all the dogs on the screen right now. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome conversation. Bunny, it has been so wonderful having you on today. Um, Before we kind of wrap everything up, is there anything upcoming, any fundraisers, events, anything personal, social media, anything you want to shout out and plug for our CritterCast listeners? If they've loved listening to you and they love learning about Muttville, what else can they they look into for you?
2: Well, I would definitely follow us on Instagram and Facebook. So our Instagram is MuttvilleSSF. And this little guy, Small Fry, he occasionally does a cooking show, um, which people have enjoyed. So you can watch oh that in gosh. our story highlights. And then long term, you know, right now we're just kind of taking things, you know, week by week. We hope to eventually start having our adoption events in person to some capacity. We don't know what it looks like, but we are doing our senior prom virtually this year, the nice. so fundraising gala. And there will be more information on our website soon, but that is on September 26th and it will be a virtual fundraiser Excellent. for these. Guys.
0: Excellent. I love
3: it. I love it so much.
0: Our our podcast was already, of course, following Muttville on Instagram, but I just went and made sure that our that my shelter is also following Muttville on Instagram. Oh, good, good, Because awesome. I'm like, gotta just we we all have to be yeah. in there, right? I run like seven <laughs> Instagrams, so we all gotta follow Muttville. We'll, we'll get
3: and we there. will we will share um, Muttville's Instagram and social media presence yes. links. Um, on our social media so that yeah. if you're listening to this episode and you want to go find them you can if, if you're it'll already following so us it'll be so easy you'll just Amazingly click it, easy
0: follow it it'll be yep. super easy and yep. plus we for this week I have lots of good material to just post these these two cute faces oh, I a bet. bunch um to uh, to help advertise our our upcoming episode which will be okay.
2: so nice yeah so so
0: great
3: if people want to donate to Muttville, if they feel like this is a super awesome cause that they would love to help financially, is there a way that they could do that?
2: All on our website, too. Awesome. It's really easy. There's just a tab to donate, um, there's the option to donate, do just a one time financial donation. You can be a part of our Mutt Guardian program, which is our oh. you know, monthly giving program. I love it. And then we also have a link to our Amazon wish list. Awesome. Right now, and again, I, I feel like I keep practicing everything that things keep changing, but right now, we currently are not accepting any used donations, Sure, So we are Same. still having to provide our fosters and mm-hmm. our seniors-for-seniors seniors adopters with beds and bowls and things like that, and food, mm-hmm. of course, Yeah. so we're still saving lives, so we still need supplies, yeah. um, and we have a link to our Amazon wish list on our website. Excellent. Yeah.
3: Are y'all set up as a um, a nonprofit that people can donate to through smile.amazon.com?
2: Yep, we awesome.
0: sure are. Which also, just so as an update for everyone, in the last two months, Amazon has also enabled you to to use Amazon Smile through the Amazon app. So if you go into yep. the app, Finally. You can now also right? Because yes. for so long you had to go on, you know, on your computer to make purchases, but it's now on the app. You can
2: choose, you can change your charity. It's great. And I don't know if anyone doesn't know what it is. It is, it costs you nothing. It is from Amazon. So all you do is you have to purchase through this website, smile.amazon.com and you choose the charity partner that you'd like your funds to go through. And then they just, I don't know, they take like pennies off of each thing. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah but In it terms adds up of their
2: profit and put it yeah. towards the nonprofit. we get thousands of dollars every yeah. year That's that fabulous. literally costs people nothing it's yeah. like mm-hmm. nothing yeah well, well, it's 0.5% so yeah, especially during quarantine yeah. Right? especially during quarantine as you're buying everything on amazon please yep. shop uh through our smile
3: and sure. if, if you're feeling a little um Mm, self-flagellating about how much you're buying on Amazon and how no, much don't you're supporting. Look, don't
2: look at that yeah.
0: well you can just look at you can just Amazon smile will tell you how much money you've raised for your charity so, so just look at that just, yeah Perfect. just think of it as, I mean, for me it's like it's like ten dollars which is like that's awesome that's great you know, do what you got to do um all wonderful stuff yeah thank once again thank you so much for coming on the show today it has been a, a We were super excited that you guys reached out um, just in general because we love having guests on the show and and obviously um, Animal Rescue and Senior Dogs are near and dear to both of us. So we're really happy to have had you on the show today. We hope you guys enjoyed this most wonderful episode of CritterCast. Our hearts are warm and fuzzy right now. Just really so warm and fuzzy.
3: And our arms feel empty for the want of five Senior Dogs.
0: Oh, I'm, mine feel great. Shut uh, up. <laughs> <laughs> but they really do. Um, before we let all of our lovely CritterCast listeners go, we, of course, want to take a moment to shout out a fellow podcast, as we always do, because we are still very much in the fight for racial equality and against racism we are continuing to spotlight those Black creators and those people of color um, who are out there making super awesome podcasts. So this week we are who are we who are we bringing on this week, Cassie?
3: So we are bringing on some friends from um, our fabulous, beloved lady podcast groups, and this is Fancy Black Lady Podcast. Um, And we love, we love, this is a great show. You're going to enjoy it too. So here is their trailer. Hello, you're listening to the Fancy Black Lady Podcast. I'm your host, Jamila Carrington-Smith.
0: And I'm your host, Landria Seals-Green. Today we are going to talk about friendship, The importance of finding someone who is just yours, not necessarily attached to your social orbit or your husband or your children.
3: We're gonna talk about what it's like to take a risk and make a friend as an adult and how that process is different from just getting closer to someone you already know. It's about being vulnerable and daring to build something that truly sustains you. The story of how we met is in here. Take a listen. Yay. Ah, so fun. Uh, go check them out. They are everywhere where you listen and we will post their links in social media on our social media so you can easily find them and follow them. If do you it. <laughs> do it. If you are a creator or a podcaster of color and you would like us to help amplify your voice and share your stories and your amazing fantastic works of art and pottery, get it podery.
0: Uh, no.
3: Uh, let us know. You can contact us by email at crittercastpodcast at gmail.com and send us a link to your, um, your, your page, your website, your Etsy site, your podcasts, and help us know how we can, um, share the deets about the work you're doing.
0: Right. How can we bring you to our CritterCast family. How can we do it? Let us do it. Yes. Um, if, speaking of, if you are just feeling like, wow, this was a great episode. I learned so much about senior dogs. And also, these people seem pretty cool. And we you want to check out more about CritterCast. You are correct. Cassie's right. <laughs> Firstly, you're right. Secondly, you can check us out all over social media as well as on our website. You can find us on Instagram at CritterCastPodcast, on Facebook at CritterCast, on Twitter at CastCritter. And at our website, www.crittercastpodcast.com. Dot and on our website, com. Com. <laughs> <laughs> on our website, you can find not only every single one of our episodes that we've ever put out, but all kinds of other cool information, like information about us. All of the sources that we regularly use, campaigns that we are currently passionate about, about supporting animals, and our Redbubble shop, where you can buy cool merchandise with fancy artwork from local artists, currently mostly featuring mm-hmm. art from our friend Zara. Art by Zara, check her out. Absolutely gorgeous animal Beautiful. renderings. Beautiful, um, Just lots, I mean, honestly, our, our website is chock full of cool stuff. You're gonna like also,
3: it. Also, aren't we all just wearing T-shirts and leggings right now?
0: Right. Right. So why not wear t-shirts and leggings with you know cool fun stuff on them? Exactly. Like geckos and right. dogs and Also,
3: cats. you've been putting up with a lot making it through coronavirus season. Treat yourself.
0: Treat yourself Get to a mermaid phone case. You, you know, know you, will you deserve not it. Regret it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all great stuff. I do want to take a quick moment to just to put out in the world. You guys know our logo by now, our wonderful, beloved friend, Basil, the leopard gecko. If you've met us at reptile shows or around, you've met Basil and I hope he's touched you and loved your life. Basil's not feeling well these days, and we're back and forth with the vet, getting him the care that he needs and trying to help get him well. But I just want to put that out into the world. If you have a moment to send some good thoughts, whatever you, whatever faith you have, in whatever form it is, if you could send some good mojo our yeah. way for healing thoughts for Basil, we would really oh, appreciate buddy. it here at QueerCast. It makes us sad a little bit, but we're all here for him. We're all in his corner and we know lots of our listeners are too. So we'll keep you updated on our sweet, sweet basil, but send him some good thoughts if you can.
3: And send Karina some good thoughts too, because it's just so hard to see your pets in pain.
0: I know, but we do what we can. We had this whole episode about how, you know, it's, it's really all about making sure that they have quality of life and that When we commit to a pet, we commit to them through all the good and all the bad times. And that's what we're here to do.
3: That's right. Uh,
0: Thank you so much for tuning in, CritterCast listeners. We love you. The best. We love you so much. You're You're all the best people.
2: You are.
0: You would never, ever walk into an animal shelter and say, that one's too old. (laughs) we are just (laughs) all the best people because you'd never do that.
3: Nope. Truly. In fact, you would walk into an animal shelter and you'd say, Show me your oldest
0: ones. (laughs) Show me your oldest, grossest dog. I want it.
3: (laughs) I want the slobbers. Give me the slobbers.
0: Especially after listening to this episode. That's what you would do. (laughs) Uh, That is going to be it for us here today at CritterCast. See you later, alligator.
3: After a while, crocodile.
0: This is the CritterCast podcast.